This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Coinbase. Join the most trusted place to buy and sell cryptocurrency. Coinbase supports a growing list of assets, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and more than 50 other cryptocurrencies. Crypto stored on Coinbase's servers is covered by Coinbase's insurance policy, keeping your crypto investments safe and giving you peace of mind. Find out more and support this podcast by going to autoconverse.com slash Coinbase and get $10 free to invest when using our affiliate link. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash Coinbase. Get our promo code and receive $10 in free cash to make your first investment today. And thank you. I don't know what that means. I mean, my actual worry is too many people will send me GPT composed emails and I'll have to use my AI service to filter them. And I'll I'll have less direct contact with readers and listeners. That, to me, would be a big loss. Another concern I have is just other nations will, in some regards, be ahead of the United States. A lot of open information systems, like submitting regulatory comments on what the government is doing, those might prove unworkable because you can flood the system with pretty high-quality GPT-generated comments. So just many, many things are going to have to change. I think you'll wake up in the morning... And rather than going to your different windows on your laptop, you'll just ask your AI, what is it I want to read? And the emails you get, it will have already composed replies for you. You may edit those replies, delete them, send them off. I just think all the ways we interact with information are going to change pretty quickly. Some for the better, some will be for the worse, but mostly it's an opportunity, like the printing press, like the internet. That was Tyler Cohen, American economist and blogger, on the Honestly podcast with journalist Barry Weiss, talking about some of his concerns about AI-powered chat. Just last week, ChatGPT founder OpenAI announced the release of its next-generation AI machine, GPT-4. ChatGPT, of course, was the initial public AI machine released by OpenAI late last year in the fall of 2022, which we've been experimenting with here on the podcast. Mr. Cohen was being facetious about emails, but only somewhat. His concerns about the United States falling behind other countries during the rise of AI is of particular interest for us here on the podcast. Why? Well, Cohen does not come out and say it, but China, of course. The CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is already said to be a good five years, if not more, ahead of the USA when it comes to AI innovation. And what is the Chinese government using AI for? Well, surveillance mostly. The Chinese government uses AI to surveil its citizens in a black mirror kind of way when contrasted with surveillance here in the United States. So why does Cohen not feel entirely threatened by the influence and access that the CCP has on U.S. citizens through TikTok, which is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance? Seems a bit contradictory to me, but let's explore. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. 
All right, welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi. Great, as always, to be here with you. You heard Tyler Cohen share some of his thoughts on how AI-powered chat could soon be impacting our lives. Cohen is author of the popular economics blog, Marginal Revolution, and also co-founder of the online educational platform, Marginal Revolution University. He was responding to host Barry Weiss, who asked what he thought about OpenAI CEO's comments about AI being lights out for the future. Aside from the economic concerns that a lot of people raise with regard to this technology, there are also really serious security concerns. Cyber attacks, plagiarism, scams, spreading misinformation. Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, recently said in an interview this. The bad case, and I think this is important to say, is that it's lights out for all of us. What do you think he meant by that? Earlier in that interview, Cohen shared how he's been using ChatGPT to conduct interviews with the deceased author and poet Jonathan Swift. I bring all of this up for two reasons. Because the next-gen ChatGPT version is coming out already after only a few months being tested by the public. It is called GPT-4, and we will be keeping a close eye on its foray into the world. But also because, as you heard Cohen say, we should be concerned about other countries' development of AI outpacing that of the United States. As you heard me say in the beginning of the program... The Chinese Communist Party is already a good five years or more ahead of the USA when it comes to AI innovation. And what is China using it for? Well, for starters, how about surveillance and weaponizing, which leads me to TikTok. TikTok, as we know, is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance. And if you were not aware, to be a company in China requires being loyal to the CCP and thus all data and information you have as a company subsequently belongs to the Chinese government. TikTok is said to sport probably the best machine learning algorithms of all social media sites. In other words, TikTok has the best AI. So here we have TikTok, which some of us would say is like digital fentanyl. It's in the palms of the hands of more than 150 million Americans, mostly minors and young adults, who are very impressionable. Do you know what this means? Not only is TikTok addictive and bad for your health, it also is being used for weaponization as a surveillance tool. In the final year of his presidency, Donald Trump was making a push to have TikTok banned from the United States. And since then, the app has been banned from being installed on government phones, not just here in the U.S., but also in Canada, the United Kingdom, and New Zealand, and even other countries. And now Congress is putting pressure on whether the app should be banned in the USA outright. Here are Morning Brew Daily podcast hosts Neil Fryman and Toby Howell recapping TikTok CEO Shu Zi Chu's testimony last week before Congress. TikTok CEO Shu Zi Chu testified before Congress yesterday and narrator voice. It did not go well for him. Politicians from both sides of the aisle filleted him about the app's ties to China, saying that there were not enough safeguards to protect American user data from being swiped by the Chinese government. So I have a few takeaways. So the first is that Chu was just not super definitive with his answers. He was asked yes or no a couple times, and he didn't say yes or no, which kind of rattled lawmakers. One of the questions was he was asked whether Chinese employees of ByteDance, which is TikTok's parent company, could access U.S. user data. And he said, 
I have seen no evidence of that. And, you know, when maybe a no would have been right. good. And then another representative asked whether ByteDance had spied on American citizens. And he responded, I don't think that spying is the right way to describe it. <laughs> it's so it, it was not. It, yeah, you're right. He did not. I, I have never seen this amount of vitriol from a congressional hearing. And from both sides of the aisle, he was taking punches. I saw one tweet from Mike Solana, who's a GP at Founders Run, that was saying Republicans think this app referring to TikTok is dangerous because it's controlled by the CCP, while Democrats think this app is dangerous because it's an app, kind of playing <laughs> on the idea that this huge big tech, anti-big uh, anti tech sentiment. Now, the two go on to talk about whether or not TikTok should or will be banned, and they both believe that ultimately it will be. Tyler Cohen, on the other hand, has a different opinion. Should TikTok be banned? Absolutely not. TikTok should be subject to the relevant laws. So if TikTok is spying on people, including journalists, in an illegal way, we should come down hard on TikTok. But we have rule of law, we have free speech, and TikTok, as we know it, should continue, subject to having to respect American laws, which perhaps they're not always doing. I would grant that. So what do you think? Should TikTok be banned outright in the U.S. or simply held to a legal standard? I am going to post a discussion thread about this in the community chat on our new Substack app, or you can simply post comments about it on the blog. We mentioned this on the show last week, but the first time here in the podcast, we have moved both the Autoconverse blog and podcast to the Substack platform. And so what that does is it combines the blog and the podcast into one central entity on the web. You can go to autoconverse.com and you'll go there. Now, if you're... If you were already a subscriber, you'll still be, you, your subscription has been moved over. And we have now launched our new premium service as well. So when you go to the site, you can learn all about our new premium service. And if you upgrade to that, it'll unlock some uh, additional features for you on the Substack app. But one thing you don't have to pay for on the Substack app is participating in the community chat. So once you get Substack installed on your phone and you're subscribed to Autoconverse, then when we post discussion threads, you'll be able to see those in the app and you can participate in those discussions. Hello, Jason here. Patent pending Smart Pixel is truly unique. When this simple piece of code is placed in the header of a website, it turns anonymous website visitors into fully identified consumer data. That's right, we can turn those clicks and visits into powerful data about the consumers visiting your website. You don't get that type of insight or data from Google Analytics. The type of data provided is name, address, email, what type of car they drive, homeowner, and much more. Up to 306 attributes about the consumer is revealed to you. Now some would say, well I already have that. But do you? The industry today is full of retargeting that depends on third-party cookies and IP retargeting. In either case, you're not truly matching to an accurate one-to-one -one identity. IP retargeting by nature is flawed due to the simple fact that up to 22 different devices can be using the same IP address, meaning you can't really be sure that you're engaging with the right person. Thousands of clients are using SmartPixel today. It works in all kinds of industries, like auto dealers, RV dealers, real estate, consumer goods, hospitality, and much, much more. Websites of all types and sizes are benefiting from SmartPixel. 
Many of our clients use this amazing data in custom audience creation within Facebook and other channels. It's shown our clients a three times higher conversion and significant reduction in ad spending. If you'd like to learn more about Smart Pixel and other amazing things that M1 Data does, please visit GetSmartPixel.com. Thanks a lot. Okay, so AI-powered chat, banning TikTok, what's next? How about some headlines? First up is GM CEO meets with senators of self-driving cars. So uh, Mary Barra is the CEO. She, uh, I think, was at the Detroit Auto Show and met with a couple of senators there. Uh, She met with Maria Cantwell, Senate Commerce Committee uh, chair, and then Gary Peters on the Commerce Committee member as well. Now, they say that Congress has been held up for more than six years over legislation to ease regulations that would allow for the deployment of thousands of autonomous vehicles. And Peters is quoted as saying, we must act to ensure U.S. manufacturers can compete with countries like China, create jobs here and improve roadway safety. So she has met with them. And this is all a push. Look, the, the cruise is GM's autonomous vehicle subsidiary. It's technically a separate company, Cruise, and they've been testing uh, fully fully autonomous self-driving cars in San Francisco, in Austin, and I thought Indianapolis, but no, Austin, and then some parts of Phoenix. And the, uh, Cruise has now applied uh, with the state of California to open up testing across the state, statewide. Because it's that time. It is that time. Just from a number standpoint, an estimate about 40,000 people every year in the United States are either killed or injured, at least at least injured, if not also killed, due to car-related accidents. That could be pedestrians being hit by a car, bike riders, cyclists being hit by cars, or just drivers or passengers in cars, uh, 40,000 people. Self-driving cars, we need to understand, and you hear Elon Musk talk about this all the time when it comes to uh, artificial intelligence. So we have two eyes and two ears, and we can only really technically focus on one one, uh, focal point at a time. That's all we can focus on. Hearing-wise, we can hear more of a net, but... But site-wise, we can only really focus on one thing at a time. And the only experience that we have to draw from is our own experience. So think about that. Remember when you started learning how to drive at the age of, you know, most of us were at the age of 16? Like, that was hard to do. It, you, it, took a, it took a few months to adapt to that. So you learn. And then as you learn, you become more, uh, you become more relaxed, more confident, and you even drive better. And then you, obviously at some point you drive kind of crazy. But the reason I bring that up is with artificial intelligence, you have n- multiple cameras, not just on the car that, that you're in, not just on that car, but every other car out there also has multiple cameras. And all of them, just like we learn, are also learning how to drive 
but it's aggregate. So it's basically you're taking everybody's driving and, and aggregating it so that the machine that's learning how to drive has a, 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 is going to learn and adapt more quickly. This is one of those sensible, logical things to understand is that computers, machines, they can and will drive cars better than humans do. This is one of those things that, that will be better for machines to do, especially when you bring in levels of connectivity and now the cars can talk with each other, they can learn with each other, and they can synchronize with each other. So I am all for autonomous cars. And to uh, Senator Gary Peters' point is that we need to make sure that we are keeping up with the likes of China. We need to be racing with AI for the sake of, of, of our nation and for humankind, for civilization. We need to be on the cutting edge of AI, uh, just like we have always been with internet technology, digital technology, uh, industry, things like sports and whatnot. And we need to be there. I believe that. So this is good. And finally, with GM, as I was alluding to, they are now uh, integrating with OpenAI's ChatGPT, which we talked about, which we've been talking about pretty steadily, uh, for an in-car virtual assistant. Uh, Vice President Scott Miller says ChatGPT is going to be everywhere. Ooh, lucky for Microsoft. Uh, GM envisions the digital assistant supporting drivers in various scenarios, including providing instructions on how to replace a flat tire or integrating with other devices such as garage door openers. Well, that sounds kind of fundamental, if you ask me. Let's move on. So Tesla is now offering to uh, is now planning to launch solar power charging feature in their app. So they've allowed other companies EVs to use its chargers in Europe, and now it's going to open that up to do the same here in the U.S. And this will help homeowners with rooftop solar to charge their vehicles with the excess solar power. So if you at home have your car plugged in, you're technically taking the electricity from the grid, but you're producing, if you're charging solar power at home, then you're producing solar power and you have excess. This is a setting on the app that now is gonna let you take that excess put it directly into your car and not send it to the grid. I didn't know that this was, uh, I knew, I guess I would have assumed it's possible. I didn't know it was permitted. That I'm curious about. Uh, there's no date yet on when this is going to be released. It just said uh, that the, the feature is coming here in the U.S. for Tesla owners. And finally on the subject of Elon Musk and his SpaceX company, you know, we've reported on the evolution, the rollout of Starlink, which is a broadband, high-speed broadband satellite internet that SpaceX uh, has been building. I thought it was internationally. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, they just launched 40 satellites to get started on OneWeb network. This is uh, for the UK. So it's a UK-based uh, satellite constellation called OneWeb, consisting of uh, Starlink satellites. And that takes the number of satellites in this network to 582. So what is the difference between OneWeb and Starlink? Both are satellite-based internet services. They offer uh, <clears throat> in a few key ways. 
Starlink markets itself to individual consumers. OneWeb is focused on providing services to businesses. Secondly, the satellites used by the two services operate at different altitudes. OneWeb satellites flying at higher altitudes than Starlink. OneWeb is focused on servicing the Internet of Things at somewhat lower frequencies, while Starlink offers broadband Internet services that are highly dependable with widespread availability. Aren't we glad that... I'm glad that I did this because I was very curious. Another important difference between the two is the target user of each network. Starlink intends to make its services available to individuals worldwide. OneWeb plans to provide services to businesses rather than consumers. So OneWeb has 582. Starlink has over 2,000 satellites. So whoop-dee-dee, that's pretty wild. And now you know, and you hopefully heard it here first on the MTC show. And finally... A few shows ago, we reported on Ford uh, building out a new battery manufacturing plant with the Chinese electric car battery maker, CATL. I forget what CATL stands for. I could probably find it here in this article. Dun, 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 dun. It's not in there. But here's the deal. I'm reporting this because you have Senator Mark Rubio, Marco Rubio. He's putting forth a bill that will block those tax credits. So when Biden's infrastructure bill came out, and I think it's even mentioned down here, and we've talked about it here in the show, that uh, was something like was it $21 billion towards infrastructure. And a large portion of that was tax credits and grants towards the production of chips and batteries. So Ford partnered with CATL, which is a Chinese battery company. They're going to spend $3.5 billion to build a battery plant in Michigan. And this bill is intended to uh, eliminate Ford from benefiting from tax credits. So let me know in the chat what you think of that. This is one of those policy things that I'm always very curious about. I like to hear other people's opinions. Uh, Do you agree or disagree that tax credits should be blocked by the U.S. for Ford in this particular instance, partnering with uh, Chinese battery company CATL uh, to build uh, battery electrics, electric batteries for vehicles in uh, in Michigan. So let us know in the chat. And let me go back to the chat. Let me or go back here. I mentioned on Substack. Okay, if you go to the homepage, look what you'll see here. Chat. If you're not a Substack user, then this is new for you. But there's an app. There's a Substack app. And when you're subscribed to AutoConverse, we will show up in the app. Then we can initiate chat discussions, and we can you can interact and 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 everybody can interact around this. Now, right now, the subscriber chat is open to everybody, but you won't be able to initiate a thread unless you upgrade. So another, there's a second reason, obviously, to upgrade is is so that you can initiate your own discussion threads. If you're wondering why we charge for these, we don't charge for our content. We don't charge to be subscribed to the blog or the podcast. What we charge for is access to the message boards powered by Slack. And that'll also give you the ability to initiate discussion threads in the Substack app and even better, it's it's intended for people that that are that you know curate their own information, do their own blogging, maybe their own show or podcast. And by being a premium member, we would invite you up here to be on the show, so you could be on video, talk about this stuff with me right here in a strategic fashion. That's why we had it set up this way. But anyway, going back to chat, I'll put I'll initiate a discussion in the app on 
whether or not uh, you think tax credits should be blocked. So we'll do that for this one. And finally, to round off the news, just a couple of recalls. Now, we're not putting every single recall in here. We're putting recalls related to safety. We're putting bigger recalls and safety recalls. And of course, recalls that affect um, your cutting edge cars, your more cutting edge cars. So I won't say all EVs, but for right now, recalls on EVs are going to be included in there. Tesla is on its second recall of the year, nearly 3,500 Model Y cars, uh, years 2022 and 23. Potentially loose bolts in the second row of back, uh, in the second row of seat back frames. And this can cause seat belts to malfunction in the event of a crash. The report states that the second row driver's side and passenger side seat back frames on the Model Y are secured to the lower seat frame with four bolts per seat. And one or more of those bolts may not have been tightened to approved specifications. So if you have a Model Y, uh, uh, a 2223, bring that back into your Tesla store and get that looked at. A final recall here is Nissan recalls over 800,000 SUVs for a key defect. Basically, the key doesn't, it apparently doesn't lock, so it folds. And if you bump it, it could knock the key out of the ignition. And then you'll lose power. And if you lose power, you lose braking power and airbags so very dangerous this affects nissan rogues uh between 2014 and 2022 and then rogue sports from 2017 to 2022 as well so if you own one of those cars uh get hold of your local nissan dealer Coming up, let's distinguish between AI and machine learning because they're two different things. Well, they both sort of go hand in hand. You know, one is first identifying, uh, you know, the commands of the consumer. And then as the consumer responds to the content that's presented to them, you know, as a result of that command, and then, you know, sort of accepts and declines, accepts and declines, then, then the machine learning is kicking in to provide further intelligence to the machine. Searching for your next car? Tired of visiting dozens of websites and not finding what you want? Say goodbye to endless searching and scrolling. Ask Auto's powerful technology continually searches for you. Never miss out on the best car for you again. Plus, post questions and get alerts about the cars you like without sharing your personal info. Ask Auto keeps it private until you find the car you want. It's quick. It's easy. Activate Ask Auto. Search once and done. In our final segment, I'm going to play you highlights from my discussion with the founder of Ask Auto, Eric Brown, whose ad you just heard in full disclosure is a sponsor of this podcast. Ask Auto is changing the way people shop for cars while also improving customer satisfaction levels when it comes to purchasing new or used vehicles online or offline via dealerships across North America. The two share their insights into how AI-driven solutions are making automotive transactions faster than ever, 
while also helping consumers save money thanks to automated pricing algorithms based on real-time market data analysis tools, which provide unprecedented transparency into what constitutes fair value when it comes time to making decisions about buying cars outright versus leasing them over extended periods of time. Also get slightly into how AI technology has influenced auto finance and insurance through the Ask Auto app. And now for our feature presentation. Yeah, it's a pretty simple premise. Uh, that is pretty much everything we access today on the internet is is hosted uh, in a database. And so as a consumer, um, you know, rather than visiting dozens of websites and maybe filling out a search form in every one of those websites to then search that particular website's database, why can't I just simply say once, this is what I'm looking for, please go find it and then let me know when you found it. Uh, and then simply curate for the consumer then those vehicles that are most relevant to the search they have. And from there, the consumer can review them, save them, post questions about them back to uh, whoever's hosting that particular inventory, in this case, that the Honda Accord, let's say, uh, and engage uh, in gathering more you know, information. But basically, the premise is everything today is hosted in one place. Uh, it's called the cloud. In fact, I'm not sure AI be advancing like it is without it. Uh, and uh, uh, why can't I, as a consumer, harness those same uh, technologies in that same power? So today you would tell us, you would ask Auto to find the vehicle of choice. Or you can ask Auto to sell the vehicle that you currently own, uh, and then we would, you know, start connecting you to those vehicles that are relevant to your, your requests that are closest to you, uh, and then send you, you know, ongoing updates about that availability. Uh, and and or if you're selling your vehicle, we would then make that available to, you know, several uh, companies that actually dozens of companies, that, you know, that would have interest in acquiring that vehicle. And how is that different from something like Lending Tree? So the main difference here is it's perpetual. So it's not a one-off kind of thing. We we are constantly sourcing the, the the databases as they update and then notifying you of those changes. Okay. John, perpetual search. Did you know that term before you? Um, <laughs> well, you've known Eric for a while, but is that? No, I would say it's uh, the the term as such is, was invented uh, by Eric in that in that way. You know, for us, and you're, as you're thinking about how that's going to evolve and, and what it's going to look like, there's just so many. We have eighty percent of the searches say that a consumer, eighty percent of the time, the consumer comes to our site. Um, they're seeing a one time what we have that picture for that moment uh, in that time of day, and and frankly, it could be the next day or the next day. That that picture is changing every day. Um, of what our inventory looks like. And so in 80% of the time, those customers never come back. They never have the opportunity to, to see if that, if that vehicle did show up on, and, and we've been in business a hundred years, frankly, 70% uh, of our customers are repeat customers um, at our stores. And so a lot of times they want to buy from us. And so this will give the opportunity for them to do that search one time. And then when that vehicle, um, you know, when that vehicle does, it could be the next day or the day after, and you know how the new car market's been the last uh, couple of years, and, and those vehicles are coming. The problem is they're coming in, they're going out as fast as they're coming in. And so this will give those uh, consumers that are looking to purchase from our website uh, a real opportunity to, to be able to purchase from us as well. So in theory, what you're getting at is instead of going to Google 
every day or every few days and doing these searches, you're, you, the idea is that the consumer is just going to go to your site, look for some things. They're going to, they're going to get activated with the ask auto technology. And then from that point, ask auto is going to do the work, do that research for them and bring products to them. How is that information going to be presented to the consumer? So it depends uh, on how the consumers, Eric. yeah, it depends on how the consumers ask it to be presented, but typically it's email or a text message that says, yeah, we have a, a new notification for you uh, relevant to uh, your ask of Ask Auto. Yep. And then there they can click on a link that takes them to that content. And at that moment, if they'd like, they can save that information to a dashboard to refer to it later. Uh, they can uh, post questions about that vehicle um, or update their preferences and say, oh, wow, you know, I've changed my mind. It's not an SUV. It's a pickup truck. Uh, or broaden, uh, you know, their, their selection. Maybe they're looking for, uh, they want to add in hybrid engines as a critical component. So they, they have the ability to update it as well. Uh, and then, you know, from time to time too, you know, ask auto will reach out to them and say, Hey, we noticed, uh, you, you know, you hadn't submitted your trade information, you know, submit your trade information and often that'll influence the pricing of a vehicle. Uh, and then secondly, uh, you know, little tips about buying a car, right? So it also might be, Hey, you know, we, we just found out that 0% financing is starting on that Toyota Camry, uh, you know, that you have an active uh, perpetual search, uh, you know, working. And so we want to make sure you are aware of this change in the marketplace in terms of financing that vehicle. And so it's not just the vehicle they're getting uh, information uh, for, but it's also providing alerts to them about things that are relevant to the ownership of that vehicle as well. Is there... Um... Is there an app that has to be installed? Is there, or is it just a web-based It's a web-based, yeah, web-based. All they need to do is, and in some cases, all they have to do is click on a link or, or scan a QR code uh, and, and answer the questions. And in some cases, you know, uh, what we hope to do in the future is there'll be a little Ask Auto icon, kind of like a PayPal icon on every car. And you can just click that icon and activate a search for that particular make, model, year. And it'll just sort of, you know, pull in that information and activate a search. Um, and then if you click on a, you clicked on a Toyota and you clicked on the Honda and you clicked on the Chevy, then it'll know, Hey, these, these are the vehicles that uh, ask auto is, is uh, watching or monitoring uh, in the, the national inventory feeds for, for you. Where is ask auto getting the information is just scouring the web and just scanning and looking around all of the above. <laughs> Right. So that's the kind of, you know, I mentioned earlier, the cloud and I know it's maybe, you know, technical term is, you know, Amazon and all and uh, Microsoft and all these folks are storing massive amounts of data. If you go back 20 years, websites used to be hosted on private servers. And so to get from one to the other, you had to click on a link. Well, today, all of the all of that data is stored, you know, in in massive databases. So it doesn't require visiting an individual private server to access that that data. And so that's enabled things like AI that's enabled things like chat, you know, GPT to gather all of that data and assimilate it and organize it and curate it based upon the needs of the consumer or, or the, you know, the person engaging in the tool. And we're okay. nothing exactly like that. So like with Amazon, you got, you know, you load the, the seller loads their products up to the website, but that's not right. necessary with ask auto, right? The dealer's, John doesn't right. have to load his cars up to Ask Auto's system, right? 
you're going to bring the consumer to John's, his website. You're going to bring them right to the car and his website. Yeah, so we take we represent the vehicle. We, we essentially take the data and we curate it in the Ask Auto format. So that way, as a consumer, yeah. you are when you want to look at that Honda and that Toyota, uh, they're in the same format, right? You're not having to. One of the struggles with the consumer is every time I go to a different website, one I have to learn how their in, how their inventory search works. Two, I have to understand how their search results and that data is presented. Some have MPG over here, some have it on over there. And this way we, you know, organize the data so that it's consistent across any website uh, for the consumer. Okay. All right. So that's helpful. So I'm an Ask Auto user. I'm going to stay in the Ask Auto sphere or environment. Because um, I, th- I know one thing Google wanted to get away from. Google was, you know, early on was in the business saying, here's links, go away. <laughs> you know, and then Google's yes. like, well, why do we keep sending people away? Let's keep them here. Right. And so they built the knowledge graph and they want to, now they have products up there. So they want to, they want to keep you there. And you see what they're doing is they're gathering all of that data and they're organizing it in the Google, you know, content presentation, you know, in the way, and, and, and then that way they're assimilating it for the consumer. Now, in some cases you may want to go a little deeper and, and there's always a link there. You can go look at it sort of in its native, native location. Uh, You certainly can do that, but the, you can make comparison easy to make, uh, decision making easier and to make discovery of what you know the relevant elements of this vehicle uh, for me as a consumer easier. It's it, it's helpful to have it in the same content. Okay, and Ryan. Ryan, I think it's interesting as many as many uh, searches as it might be done on Google, or uh, which is obviously kind of the big Kahuna in in search. Um, there's more webs. There's more searches overall, probably for individual dealership. Um, I mean, we're, we're getting 12,000 individual users a, a month to our website for just that little kind of our little own market there in Owensboro. So for those 12,000 people, this would give them another opportunity to have to find the vehicle where they're looking at the spot that they're looking for it um, as well. Let me ask you, well, I, a, a two part question. And John, I want to hear your, your opinion on this. What are some of the unintended consequences that that you would do you ever consider what possible unintended consequences there are specific to the shopping experience? What's something we might lose as a result of this, John or Eric, if some, does anything come to mind for you? So I think the biggest thing, and we've seen this, you know, with streaming video and everything else is that I can't ask a machine to go get me something, to curate something for me, go find me something, unless I have first awareness that it exists. And so, you know, one of the potential risks is that this essentially, you know, ability to control my environment, you know, uh, will mitigate my exposure to those things I don't have awareness of. And so that's why I've said for a while, I think some of your media outlets that, you know, are sort of broad and reach will start to have a renaissance because before I can ask about the new Ford Lightning, I have to be aware that the Ford Lightning, the new Ford Lightning exists before I can say, please find me one. And so that's one of the risks is that we sort of get the tunnel vision because of the way we're engaging these tools. You know, we've got a very myopic, uh, you know, approach to the questions we ask. Well, to expand on that too, you know, 50% of the customers will come onto a lot and end up in a different vehicle than what they per- came there originally for. So, so just kind of the missed opportunity, so to speak, that something else might fit better than what they even understood 
um, going in, you know, as, as, as Eric's saying, and you, you kind of narrow that, that search function. Um, but at the same time, it, there's a lot of confusion in all of that, right? So, so some ways that that can help and a, and, a, and a customer still has the ability to put multiple uh, searches in for multiple types, things that'll fit certain price ranges and there'll be a lot of variables to that. So, so I think, you know, some of that'll still, still be an opportunity. Um, I think the other side is probably um, the placement of the vehicle. I mean, from a, from a dealer's perspective, we, we have to offer the cars that the consumer's wanting. And I think as that, as that information uh, becomes better put together, uh, we'll have a, we'll have better access um, uh, to, to hopefully some of that data. So we understand truly what the consumer's looking for. Where, where are, where is the supply and demand uh, not, not hitting at the right spot? And also no, Trump, just add this sort of the, sort of the flip side of my comment too, though, is that AI can actually help discovery as well. So for example, on our site, we have the ask auto quiz that looks at millions of consumer reviews of, about the vehicles they own and then we look at those consumers and we say, wow, people who who are much like Ryan love this particular vehicle. And so we ask about five questions and the consumer can say, this is who I am. This is what was important to me. And then we can then uh, the AI essentially then you know exposes them to vehicles um, that people love that are like them. Right. And and that will broaden the, the, the discovery, if you will, for the consumer. But the consumer still has to make the choice to take the quiz, right? And and yes. and be willing to be curious about what else is uh, available to them. John, do you think of thing like how does this change the human element at the retail level for you? Well, honestly, we're using it a lot now. I mean, we we when we take the consumer's information, it's just we're doing it earlier in the process. Basically, is what's happening at this because. We do a lot the same with with finance now. There's it's AI that's utilizing. I mean, I guess it's a lot. Back to your point, it's a lot of data too. But the banks are currently on some of those systems as well that are going to say, okay, this is this person fits for this or fits for that. Um, this just allows that to happen earlier in the process, which hopefully would simplify simplify the process for the customer as well, uh, make them more confident. Um, and and you know, it goes back to on all this when you're talking about the data, whether it's talking about cars and 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 trying to, it's the trust that the consumer puts in that, you know, and a lot of times that salesperson or that technology, the computer, whichever one it is, it, the, the, the consumer has always had a trust issue, right? Like with that, with that salesperson, so to speak, that's what they're trying to sell them, who it's, who it's for, who's it really involved. And I think that's a big thing with this whole, with, with this product is it allows not only in the search for them to, to be able to kind of cut out all the, the BS, so to speak, and get right to the point, but it'll, it'll allow the same thing in their finance and, and, and um, with insurance and those same types of things that say, look, this really is the best product and the computer's gone out, sees it all. That's what, that's what Ask Autos is trying to do for the customer. John, do you have fewer people working at the dealership today than you did 20, 30 years ago? Is it about the same? Or do you have more people working there? No, Obviously probably, you might've grown. Yeah, we, we, we have, and we still, I mean, from a market share standpoint, it's been good, but, but we have um, fewer salespeople, but we, and, and a lot of it is, um, you know, we, we are non-commissioned. So we're a little bit different than most dealerships out there, frankly. I mean, it's, um, they're not really looking to sell a particular car. They're trying to find the person, the right car. It's just, we do things that a little bit different, but even at that, um, I think that 
that we've certainly we've cut the process thanks to technology, the time and the length of the process for sure, and still working to do so um, even more. But I would say overall, most dealerships still have close to the same amount of amount of uh, product specialists or sales. We call them product specialists, but salespeople um, on their on their staff as well. Um, it's really it's changed maybe one or two units per per. Uh, 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 salesperson. So in other words, if they used to sell an average 10, say, uh, cars a month, now they're selling 11, the average salesperson is. So it's not as big for us. That's changed from like 10 to 15. I mean, we, we really, and part of that's our use of technology for certain. Um, part of it's just our system and time and, and um, as well that we've given other efficiencies to make that happen. But that's really the only place. Everything else from service and those, you know, as things have gotten bigger, things take more, they've gone the other way. So, so in essence, we've We've put more people on the back end and taken some from the front end. So do you see a, a time when a dealership, like when robots are fixing cars and there's no human interaction? Does is, is that, is that seem like a future we're headed towards or not really? I mean, I think it's certainly possible, you know, I mean, they're cooking, cooking our hamburgers now soon. Right. I mean, that's, uh, that's what we've yeah. seen. So to, to say it couldn't happen would be, you know, of course it can. Um, it's just going to, like everything else, going to take time when you're talking about your hybrids. And, you know, if you look at electric vehicles, by far, Toyota's the largest electric vehicle manufacturer, period, with 80% of the electrical market. What is that? That's hybrid, right? And that's, and so that they've kind of taken this stance that this is going to take a lot of time. And even what GM, you see them investing in V8s. So all of this stuff, we're, we're probably a long time from, from uh, the robots doing all the work. But I will tell you this, another thing that's happening is downloadable information from the, the apps that the manufacturers are providing for, for consumers so they can know what's going on from a service perspective. And, and, you know, they can go in and read those, those, the problems the cars have. And, and so that's certainly a big benefit to the customer. And again, goes back to trust, right? Whenever they get that message, it's a computer telling them that they feel more comfortable about going in and, and to the dealership and, and having those things serviced when it, when it becomes from a machine. Uh, I think it's, it's good. It backs up what's being said. Uh, Eric, quick question. Any correlation to the new movie with Tom Hanks, A Man Called Auto? <laughs> well, they asked me to, uh, you know, to try out for the part, but they turned me down. So that, that's, oh, that's all I, yeah. <laughs> did you make kidding. it to the, uh, was it not tryouts? What did they call that? Uh, audition? Did you make audition, it to the audition? Yeah. They asked me to audition and, and I said, you know, I'm kind of busy with this, this ask auto thing, but, uh, you know, find, find some, somebody for the part. Build, yeah. Building your network. Okay, that is a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585. We'll send you a link to get subscribed to our YouTube channel. And that way you can be notified and receive alerts every time we schedule our show to go live. We do the show, the MTC show, every other Wednesday. It's a live stream on our YouTube channel. And it serves as the primary recording session for this podcast. And be sure also to text the keyword SOLAR to 855 855- 766-7585 and check out my video for information about how to a look into solar power for your home and b how to get into the residential solar business and make some serious money while helping people enhance their lives with solar power that's it for today we'll catch you next week ciao
this is Audiburst Media.